Good morning and welcome to the Metapod Podcast. The Pokemon TCG Podcast revolves around the evolving meta. This is the Metapod episode somewhere in the 80s. The newest episode at the time of this recording. I completely forgot. It is actually like 7.30 a.m. on Tuesday, the day that we usually release. I had a meeting with HR. It was a good meeting. Don't worry, mm-hmm. I'm not fired. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but I had a meeting with HR yesterday and then Sean was busy at night so like we we had to uh-huh. suffice to the the early mornings of tuesday but sean how are you doing this morning i am good i'm good i love your description now uh, this is the most recent podcast the one that we are currently recording well yes by definition wouldn't that be the case that I was guess. like that was me just like panicking that I was like, oh god, wait, which Words. which episode are we on? We're on episode eighty-seven. Oh, for anyone who is wondering, oh, that, that my birth year, eighty-seven. So y'all can do the math on that and figure out just how old I really am. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, we got a lot to talk about today. As we promised last week, we kind of did a a sneak peek, you could say, at the first brilliant star standard meta weekend and this week there were a lot of good tournaments as well that happened not only plus 100 well actually a 200 person tournament and then a couple 500 prize pool tournaments on top of that as well so when you have big level tournaments you have high level tournaments with high stakes obviously some of the best decks are going to be played people are going to i mean it's going to have kind of the best showing in my opinion of what the meta is obviously you'll have people playing you know your more fun decks that won't necessarily win every single round but you're gonna have a grand old time playing because well that's just the beauty of pokemon just playing (laughs) whatever sean did you know that a man got sentenced to three years in federal prison over pokemon cards recently no what (laughs) what happened there There was a 31-year-old man awarded an economic injury disaster loan for $85,000 after claiming to own a small business that supported 10 employees. These loans were created as part of Congress's pandemic relief plan and used to pay workers and rent. Guess what they used $57,789 of it to buy? Stonks. Charizards. First edition shadowless holographic Charizard with a 9.5 rating. I mean, you're going to scam the government and you're not even going to get a PSA 10. What are you doing? What? See that? Okay, so I want to I want to talk about something else before we go into the news yeah. real quick yeah. or the meta. I saw that this there was like an advertisement of some small company guy mm-hmm. um, selling NFTs of graded cards. Oh, and I was like, oh, this is like something I've never seen and I actually never thought of before. But in his advertisement, he was selling PSA 9 Charizards. Yeah. And I'm like, how? You can't even sell a PSA 10? Like, nobody, I mean, people do want PSA 9s and 8s and whatnot. I, yes, but, like, but it's an NFT, I, it's not the I, actual I, card. Right. Why wouldn't your advertisement have the tens? Like, I, I mean, sure, you can have a nine in there, but like, it was only nines. I think uh, this. I th- I saw the ad too. I saw Jake's tweet. We follow each other, um, and we're actually friends. If anybody, we're, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw it. It's from StockX, right? And like, so they do all the sneaker stuff. I'm wondering if the ad was just really poorly worded and it's like fractional ownership because that is a thing whether or not you want to buy into fractional ownership of an object 
there are like things that exist in the video game, the collectible video game space too, where you can purchase fractional ownership of a high rarity video game, graded video game. So maybe it's the NFT is really just a token that represents your fractional ownership of it. But like, I agree with you that like the way it was advertised, it's like buy an NFT, which like, you know, I have a whole range of thoughts about NFTs, good and bad, but buy an NFT of a thing that isn't even the best version of the thing. I'm like, no, yeah, like who wants this? Getting a PSA 10 graded Charizard is so rare that not even NFTs can. <laughs> they can't can even do it. Them. Yeah. Like it's absurd. But you know what else is tough, Sean? What is that? Competing and winning in some of these online oh, tournaments. Oh, five-star review. Varied. From your brother. Oh, yeah. oh right? my gosh. This is the second week in a row that I yeah. forget. You it's know, early morning. Early easy. morning. You know what's not, or you know what is easy, Sean? Going to your local app, whether that's iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, leaving a five-star rating, leaving a review, leaving a comment on the YouTube video. And this week, we have a five-star review from Definitely Not Your Brother. Incredible name. Five stars. The title is great. Frosted Flakes, not sponsoring this podcast. But... <laughs> The message is a great podcast that teaches me all about the new news, not the old news, not the the new, new news, mm -hmm. Sean. I look forward to it all week. Thank you so much. Definitely not your brother for the review. And thank you to everybody watching our YouTube videos as well. YouTube's getting a little bit of traction. I think a lot of you have been following it. And remember when we hit... 100 ratings on Apple iTunes, 100 ratings. Sean and I will start doing extra YouTube content, whatever that may be. There's a plethora of ideas and possibilities. It'll be a lot of fun. So go ahead and do that and give us your honest rating. It doesn't have to be five stars if you don't think we deserve it. But you know what these people deserve, Sean. They deserve to know what the meta is like. Yes, yes, IRL events are coming back, and you may have seen some discourse about getting tickets to certain IRL events mm. that opened up. We're not necessarily going to talk about the discourse, but we're going to talk about if you are going to there or maybe your locals or something like that, and you're looking for the best decks to play, we're going to tell you all about them. So, Sean, what tournament do you want to talk about first? We got three of them. Uh, I think we could start with the the uh late night series because that was the one that happened like that's the first one on our list we have three tournaments that are big like 200 plus almost 300 people tournaments so we can start with the late night series one of zach's events um yeah and, and uh well, let's uh let's just talk about a couple things real quick before we get into the meat and potatoes of this a lot of these tournaments are gonna kind of have some of the same decks in the top eight you know you've got your Arceus Duraludon we talked a lot about that deck last week some things have changed we'll discuss some of those changes you know you got Mew and Genesect because Mew is just Mew is just really really good like it's just a yeah. really really good deck but then you have tournaments like the late night where the winner is a completely different deck that nobody ever thought was going to win a 200 or more person tournament. It is Durant. Now, Sean, you may not know what Durant actually does because this is a card that came out in battle styles. Mm -hmm. You probably haven't seen this card for a hot minute, but 
let me tell you sean the 90 hp grass pokemon so findable with level ball i might add and regainable by rescue carrier mm -hmm. it has a two colorless attack devour for each of your durant in play discard the top card of your opponent's deck so this is a mill deck this is a mill control style deck we haven't really seen this sean we haven't really seen this archetype in any capacity really that excels or has any sort of excel since sword and shield base set when we had the infamous full grip games chinchino mill deck that just really dominated that format <laughs> yeah Duran will likely not have the same effect, but Sean, it is an incredibly interesting deck. You play the Chinchinos like most mill decks that we've seen within the last two years do. The Make Do, just drawing two cards. Mm -hmm. Interesting that they're playing a 3-1 line of the Call for Family Minchinos, one regular Minchino. I wonder if that's just because they didn't have a fourth one at the time, because, you know, Brilliant Stars is still new, but... Anyways, you've got your Snorlax to be able to Gormandize, which Gormandize, really, really great ability, allowing you to draw up to seven cards to end your turn. So the perfect starter, some would say you've got a bunch of bosses order. Bruno, because your Pokemon are getting knocked out left and right. Marnie, Peonia, bunch of search cards. I mentioned the rescue carriers. And also, Sean, Cursed Shovel, a mm -hmm. card that maybe a lot of people don't know about it's a tool card if you attach it to a pokemon and it is knocked out from damage of an opponent's attack discard the top two cards of your opponent's deck so again because durant only can mill up to four cards in a single turn and that's if you have all four in play right sometimes you can only get three in play because maybe your snorlax is stuck maybe you get this manaphy um that's stuck on the bench whatever it may be you know you have to have your chinchinos the curse shovel will allow you to discard more cards in those turn and with the addition of double turbo energy into the format acting basically as a double colorless for a deck that doesn't actually have any attacking damage you can consistently find energy every single game sean yeah yeah and i mean the nice thing about this too is uh you know, you, you think to yourself, oh, it's all special energy. Isn't that, like, potentially, like, scary? Uh, and while, like, they have four double turbo, one twin, three capture. So, what is that? Eight energy total. Because um, it's scary because, like, you think about something like Duraludon, right? Your, your opponent can't do damage with special energy. You're not doing damage. You're just milling, right? Yeah. Now, I, I will say, I do think this has the potential to be... Um, a problem for like i think about like back to a uh, mad party right one of the ways that you beat mad party was simply getting rid of enough of their special energy that they could no longer attack and then you just win you know um but you know this is uh, this is a fascinating deck i think we talked about this like i i know i made a video about this but we also talked about i i think alternate win conditions and this is the first time I've seen an alternate win condition deck win a tournament in like two years, right? And when we talk about alternate win condition, we're talking about not taking yes. six prizes to win the game, right? Because that's one of the ways that you win. Another way that you win, you know, po opponent doesn't have any Pokemon on the field at the start of their turn or um, 
they have no card to draw at the beginning of their turn from their deck. Like their deck is zero at the beginning of their turn. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exciting. I think there was a lot of different things that factored into this, Sean. Mm -hmm. um, one of those being this era of players, right? The online era we mentioned, you know, we haven't seen a control mill style deck like this really do anything for two years now. Like this is the first in like two years. I think a reason that this deck did so well is because especially in the online era, people don't know how to play against mill, right? Yeah. People don't know how to set up against mill, what the appropriate amount of cards to draw. Cause you think of a deck like Mew Genesect, right? That deck draws an absurd amount of cards per turn. I mean, Durant's like salivating at that point, right? Like Mew just gets rid of three fourths of their deck for them. And they don't even have to do anything just because they have to set up. But instead, maybe you just, I don't know, attach a couple of the fusion energies or whatever, and just pass. You go a little bit slower. And so it, it that plays a little bit into it. I know these are open deck list formats, so people know, you know, kind of what you're playing. Like, oh, they're playing mm -hmm. Manaphy, so my snipe deck is not going to work as much. My Jolteon might have a little bit of trouble. But, I mean... I will say, as someone who played Control Mill back in, like, the Cosmic Eclipse days, and that was kind of, like, my deck. Not that I created it, but that was my one deck that I liked playing. Um, if your opponent didn't know how to play, which a lot of people did not know how to play against the deck, it was a free matchup. It was just free. Yeah. I mean, I think the difference between this and the Control Mill that you maybe were playing back in the day is... Um, this deck doesn't really have a lot of control aspects to it. Like, the only control in the deck is two Yellhorn and the Galarmine boss order combo, right? Yeah. Like, that or is Echoing annoying. Horn, Galarmine, uh, boss's order. Because yes, there's one horn yes, in there. That's true. There is one horn. Um, but really, that it just comes down to, like, does your opponent have switching cards? That's really what that whole situation comes down to. Um, and it's not like you have pal pads to get your bosses back. So... If your opponent can just play it slow and have switching cards, then I don't think this Durant deck can probably beat it. Just because, like, all you have to do is just not draw cards, right? And now maybe you get unlucky. Maybe Durant mills all four of your switches. Yes. <laughs> right? Like, that That would really suck. Um, that did happen. I was watching somebody I can't remember, but... I mean, they just like, I think it was a Duran mill four and they milled two switch cards that were oh, like no. one on top of the other. Oh, that sucks. That's, that's brutal. Um, yeah, that's definitely one of those tough ones. But other than that, like the old, the old control mill decks, it had a lot more energy removal. So it was a more active form of like, I'm going to mill you, but I'm making sure in the meanwhile that you can't just slowly take six prizes over six turns. Because that's what this deck needs, is it needs for you to not be able to attack for basically six turns in a row. Like, what? It, once you've attacked for six times, you win. That's really all you have to do against this deck. Um, so, yeah, if you do find yourself playing against this deck, just be patient. Try to get the resources you need and conserve them for when you need them. 
You just gotta be patient. You have to think about your different choices, keep a clear head. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously don't slow play or whatever, no. and don't take five minutes to make a decision, but kind of really think about what you're doing. And is it gonna be the best option for me out there? Yeah. So that's the one that won the late night series. But as Jake was saying, uh, if we go through the overall metagame here, you know, 16, almost 17% Mew Genesec. So still very much Mew Genesec. But then, you know, number two, a hot off the heels of the full grip tourney, Arceus Duraludon that we talked about last week, still did a very good showing. 52%, 50% win percentage. Um, so I don't think any surprise there at probably the top two decks for that tournament in terms of play. Uh, but Jake, is there anything in this sort of lineup for this tournament you want to talk about? I think because some of these decks we talked about last week, um, including like Ice Rider, Inteleon, things like that. Um, I think what we should move on to is like the Arceus Moltres decks. Yes. Um, because this is an archetype that has come up that is interesting that we didn't really talk about last week. Now, as it suggests... It is primarily Arceus and Moltres. I say primarily with Moltres because, well, Mew, right? Mew. That's yeah. really all you <laughs> need to know about that. But as well, there are decks such as Galarian Zapdos. So, especially when you have an Arceus V-Star moving around, accelerating energies, you have energy switches from a... Moltres that accelerates energies to itself through its ability you can move it over to the Moltres You can get two energies per turn and in the Arceus Duraludon matchup for example You slap a Zapdos V down. They have an Arceus in the active They have a Duraludon on the bench or vice versa. You can go ahead two energies deal 340 damage to an Arceus V-Star to knock it out. Because if you do not remember, with the Galarian Zapdos V, it does have that ability Fighting Instinct. The Pokemon's attacks cost one colorless less for each opponent's Pokemon V in play, right? So when Arceus Duraludon is setting up at the beginning, you can go ahead and knock out an Arceus for an easy, easy two prizes. Maybe even before a Duraludon is set up, potentially, uh, maybe before they VMAX or things like that. And there's a lot of different options in this deck. In this one specifically, there is a Ditto V. That way, you know, this deck doesn't have the ability like Ordinary Rod or whatever mm -hmm. to get out specific Pokemon. So let's say, you know, your opponent tries to use two Arceus V-Stars in a single game. Boom, you have that Ditto V right there to transform once again into the Zapdos. Ditto V, if you do not remember, has the ability V transform. Once during your turn, you may choose a basic Pokemon V from your discard pile and switch it with this Pokemon. Any attached cards, damage counter, special uh, conditions, turns and play other effects remain on the new Pokemon. So it's basically like Zorark that I've been loving playing in Rapid Strike Malamar, but on Ditto V for other V Pokemon. So. There's just a lot of different options with this deck. There's the Zamazenta over here for the Revenge Blast and the Ice Rider matchup. You have mm -hmm. Cry of Destruction, Yvetal, to, I mean, 
discarding three energies from pokemon anywhere on your opponent's side of the board is just awesome for a double colorless right you're already playing double turbo energy from the rcs v star so it works perfect on this yvital yeah and it's yeah. just a it's a combo deck i mean it's a counter box type deck but it's very interesting because it's all powered by rcs v star sean yeah i mean like you have like you said the double turbos i think it's important to note this deck has no three prizers you know the, the, a lot of the other rcs partners um you're partnering them with some sort of a big v max so you're like okay cool but if your opponent can swing over those v maxes and just take two attacks to win the game you know the price trade can get awkward um that's probably the reason duraludon is is maybe a more preferred partner in that realm because there is no weakness so like that's the one benefit it but yeah this one to your point the zapdos for our uh, rcs is the moltres for mew it also has like hoopa eveltal is really good against even things like mad party or like um durant just any deck that about. plays special energies yeah you know you um, talk about single strike decks you talk about mew yeah so i mean i would think about this as like it's really rcs toolbox deck because it's like if the meta changes, you just use different legendary burbs, basically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you change the count up. Uh, I think Ditto in this deck in particular is actually really interesting because it's not like you really even need to Ditto out an Arceus. You can Ditto out any of the Vs. So, like, let's say you need two Galarian Zapdos Vs, but one of them is prized and you can't get to it. Well, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, Zoroark, you have to Evo and then switch out. But with the Ditto V, you can play it down, immediately switch it out for the Zapdos. And it's fine. You don't have to wait a turn. It's basically a free rescue onto the bench. It's Yeah, it, it works out really well. So very interesting deck. Um, and I think what we also see throughout the rest of the tournaments coming out after this is that this deck is played more and more as people realize, like, hey, a counter box strategy is actually a really smart approach to Arceus and the meta. Um, and the thing is, like, it's not bad either. Like, a lot no. of counterbox strategies really just try to counter one or two things and take auto losses, like, the rest of the way across the board. But, you know, with this deck, it has options. It is viable to many, many of the meta matchups to cover a good spread. Now, it's not an auto win by any means because, well decks like Mew is just too good. They're too good, right? They're too fast, too strong. But yeah. it allows you to get a fighting opportunity in a lot of those matchups. Yeah. Jake, what is the, um, what are most darkness Pokemon week two? Is it grass? I think it's a combination of different ones. Obviously, there are some grass. There's some fighting okay, as yeah. well, right? Like the Galarian Moltres that is in this list specifically, that grass. we're looking at the Arceus V-Star Moltres list. That is a grass-type weakness, but you also have cards like Hoopa, Gengar, things like that. Those are dark. So, it, I mean, it kind of depends on, you know, what you're actually playing, but... Fighting. Okay. Yeah, Gengar is fighting-type. That's interesting. The reason I was asking, because, like, the, um, the other thing that we have seen... Uh, is an uptick in dark decks as well. So you can sort of see in this first tournament here, and Jake, I'm just going to 
pop us over to a future tournament too. But like you see, there's ten Eternatus played. Okay, it's it's nothing. But if you go like basically a full week later, um, and all of a sudden you see, oh shoot, Eternatus jumps up to top five meta share, sixteen of them, right? And all of a sudden it's at a fifty nine percent win percentage. Gengar at seventeen. So you think about that toolbox deck. I'm currently looking at the Celio stats tournament now for those um, listening and can't see the screen. Um, which is about 20 more players than the late knife. So around yeah. like 220, which is not like too many more. But I think the reason we saw that is because between that and the chill TCG event, which we haven't touched on yet, yes, Durant won the first one, but Mew won the other two events that we are talking about tonight that we're using for this sort of metagame analysis. Um, and so throughout the week, it's kind of like, well, Mew is cle clearly still a good deck, right? Like, it's just super consistent. It hits really hard. Like, it can climb over the damage output needed for a lot of those Duraludon decks as well. So you're just sort of sat here like, okay, the counter to that then is dark with Gengar, Eternatus all of a sudden being a viable strategy. But that in some ways makes the Arceus Moltres decks even better, which is like, cause you have that Galarian Moltres hitting weakness against, answer. yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a very, it's a very interesting, I think people are trying to find the like weakness answers right now more than anything else. Like I think weakness is actually highly relevant in this meta. Um, and so I'm just kind of, I'll be interested to see how that sort of nets itself out as, as bench damage sort of falls completely off and weakness is the only thing that seems to matter in the matchups. I will correct myself. Celios had about 300 participants. Mm. The chill TCG uh, GG tour had 220. I was looking at the wrong tab at mm. the time. <laughs> I mean, lots, lots of people. That's what <laughs> Yeah, there are just lots of people playing in these online tournaments. That's all you really need to know more mm. than you would see in locals, I would yeah. say. Uh, but I, I kind of jumped ahead there, Jake. Any other uh, things? We can move into the Chill TCG if you want to see what the next iteration after the late night series was. I will say talking, you know, you talked about Gengar a little bit. Gengar decks are now starting to implement the B-Barrel from Brilliant mm. Stars as well into their decks. Obviously, they implemented the Houndoom because, well, accelerating energy is good. You know, but the B-Barrel, if you do not know, from Brilliant Stars, Industrious Incisors, Incisors, whatever Inci that word. Incisors, like the teeth. Yeah, well, see, I don't yeah. I don't really know that word. But anyways, learn something new every day. Once during your turn, you may draw cards until you have five cards in your hand. Now, that's not just using the ability once per turn in terms of overall, like, Zacian V or whatever. Um, this is just this card once per turn so if you have two b barrels on the field you can use it twice and so especially for a deck you know maybe you don't want to play a ton of crowbats right to be able to draw cards maybe you don't want to constantly get rid of different resources the borrow allows you to start up that hand you know marty into a dead hand well, maybe you can quick ball or ultra ball some of those away. Maybe burn an evolution incense. You can use Babarl to draw more cards to help get your turn going. So very cool addition into this deck. I would not have guessed that Babarl would work well in Gengar personally, but 
shout out to the people who have made it work because I well you're smarter than I am. I, I will say I'm looking at one list specifically. The person who had the best win percentage, Daniel, triple uh, seven, uh, went six and three in the Celio Stats tournament, but running only special energy. And I'm like, if you know Duraladon out there. Bruh, that that that's scary because you hit a Duraladon VMAX and it's like, well, I'm just gonna chill. I'm we're big chilling here. My 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 oh actually no, the path to the peak turns it off. That's right. Mm-hmm. Never mind. JK. Still a little scary in my opinion, but fine. Fair it enough. Is, it is because I mean a lot of decks, especially like Duraladon, you know, they're playing four stadiums, whether that's you know, some of those stadiums being like training courts, some of those stadiums being the collapse stadium, the new collapse mm -hmm. stadium to minimize bench space. Um, or even I think some have played and toyed around with Path to the Peak. Mm -hmm. Just, I mean, turning off Genesex, you know, it's just really, really good. Who knew? Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the stadium war is prevalent right now. Uh So I suppose I'm just, I'll, I'll go ahead and go to the chill TCG just to, chat about how you know coming out of late night what changed what stayed the same i think the winner like we said of the chill tcg was an, a mu genesec so clearly it's still a you know top tier deck um but in the top eight you know there was one two three four there was five arceuses four of them were the duraladon variant um but i i guess the one deck we haven't really talked about the arceus variant is this one, which has started to pick up a little scene, which is Arceus Inteleon. And by Inteleon, I mean quick shooting Inteleon. So just the single prize engine where really it's um your your main attacker is Arceus V and V Star, you know. Um and I suppose you could use Aqua Blast Aqua Bullet if you need, because it does 120 with a little bit of bench snipe, but but really it's all Arceus V Star all day. And yeah, like I, I guess the quick shooting is what's doing the extra math that you need to win. Um, I don't know, Jake. Did you see any of this in action over the weekend? I really don't know I how this keeps up. Did, I personally did not see this deck, like anybody specifically playing this deck. But I mean, just looking at it, I mean, it makes sense, right? If you have your double turbos right, you're doing 180 for trinity nova mm. and then again with your quick shooting inteleons you're sniping a little bit of damage across the board and you know the aqua bullet 120 damage for two energies is no slouch especially when you talk about the consistency of mm. a shady dealings deck the the inteleon meta so mm -hmm. having that and kind of just like finishing off different things while also doing setup damage right because 120 you combo that with a trinity nova whether that's 180 200 you know whatever that may be um you're going to be able to take back-to-back -back knockouts in a sense like that and so it's got the consistency it's an interesting deck i do think you need to kind of hit the right matchups per se because this is a very interesting um list this person who played you know didn't face any decks that had a zapdos in it in their run they literally hmm. just played against arceus and mu v max oh know, through wow all 11 of the rounds so i think that may have had to play a little bit and i mean that's just how tournaments go sometimes 
you hit your matchups you're good against and sometimes you hit your matchups that you're bad against i mean that's that's just card game tournaments in general so yeah i mean it's a it's an interesting list it's a cool list i will, um, i do want to point out um i do think it's interesting that dunsparce here because if you are going to be running rcs v star um and and you are not running the toolbox version probably like having the dunsparce is nice what it says for those of you who don't know what this random dunsparce does Colorless Pokemon and play both yours and your opponent's. So that's why the toolbox version doesn't really make sense. Uh, have no weakness. So you can turn your Arceus into a no weakness 280 buddy, which is, you know, interesting. And then you add a throw a big charm on there. Now all of a sudden you have a 310 HP, you know, two prizer that doesn't have weakness. That's actually kind of a big deal if you think about it. It's really nice. I mean, we talk about these VMAX decks and, you know, like having going back to the old like two shot meta mm -hmm. in terms of like the VMAXs and things like that, where weakness wasn't necessarily as big of a factor in what was going on. You know, you kind of go back to that, except now it's not three prizes. It's just two prizes. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I would love to see in a deck like this, and this is just uh it, it, this is maybe a little strange i wonder if anybody has played around with like a one of yoga loop in a deck like this too maybe it doesn't make sense but any quick shooting decks especially decks where you're doing like not quite enough damage you need like at least two turns of setup etc cetera, etc cetera, it would be interesting because you have melanie so you could you can get that acceleration from melanie onto the you know um metacham v Mm -hmm. and then attach one more energy to keep you because you can't attach a double turbo for yoga loop because uh, it would do 20 less damage so you would be doing zero damage unless you have choice well belt. see sean here's an interesting thing that we should talk about mm. the rulings right i mean yeah. if you're going back to irl play you want to make sure you do this so the double turbo says 20 less damage on it right but if you remember yoga loop oh, on medicham counters it is putting two damage counters. Oh, so yes. actually you can attach the double turbo energy to put those. You can slap that puppy yeah. down, stick the double turbo on it, move it in the active and go ahead and yoga loop, which that's why I like your idea of maybe yeah. putting Medicham V in here because I mean, getting an extra turn. Wow. Seems good, right? Well, especially in a deck that is, you know, focused on things like quick shooting and Teleon where, you know, I'm going to try to set up, you know, damage. And that is maybe a way to outpace it. Now, I'm sure that people maybe have played around with this. I have not. Um, and, and I will say Metacham is a weird card where, like, it's not as often that you can pull off that crazy, get two turns in a row and basically win with those two turns. But you mm -hmm. never know. You never know. Uh, you know, if you start the Metacham, then that is a feels bad. I will grant I will grant the players that, but you've got, you know, seven other basics in here. You could earn eight with the Dunsparth. You could maybe not start it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, statistically, you've got a good shot yeah. of um, not starting this Metacham Pokemon. And again, it's a combo that maybe you won't take out all the time but i think the reason that this dunsparce is in the deck is not necessarily 
for the different uh like galarian moltres counter box decks mm. i think it was mainly for urshifus you know because urshifus before brilliant stars were very prevalent decks whether that was single strike urshifu or rapid strike urshifu very very prevalent decks but now sean i mean two weeks now into the brilliant stars meta and we haven't really seen urshifu at all like yeah. i don't even know if it's really been in the top eight at least for these bigger tournaments that we've been talking about even top 16 um it ha i will say it has seemingly been um like single strike is the one that i think is still sticking around let's see here uh there was there actually there's a rapid strike strike in top 16 um but you know it's just basically one but mostly in the Celio tournament, Umbreon Urshifu, like the Rapid Strike one, was the most played. It was 14. 14 people tried to run single strike. Um, let's see if anybody did particularly well. Yeah, uh, Superior it's Spider. It's a 9% win percentage with that deck. So, I, again. Not great. I mean, I think what that goes to show you is, like, yes, you can hit the dark decks for weakness. Like, if dark decks are way more popular... Um, you could maybe navigate your way into some wins here. So like I'm looking at the one, you know, one that did very well. And how many dark decks did they hit? Uh, one, they hit a single, single prize, the Hoopa Moltres deck, and they lost to the dark deck. So that's not great. And they beat an Eternatus deck. So like, fine, you got one win off of that. But yeah, it does kind of feel like um, there is just too much Mew VMAX still. So well, I mean, you ideally have like a good Mu V Max matchup because you have the Umbreons, right? The Umbreons hit for 320 with weakness. That's just well the base before any yeah, of the damage modifiers with the single strike deck. That's but fair. I mean, this this person as well. Like if you look at their lineup, like you were just doing, like they only faced one Mu V Max deck. Yeah. And like that, this was the person who did the best. So like you'd think they would have faced the most Mu V Max because that's the highest played you know, deck of the, of the tournament. They only faced one and they, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. It just feels like maybe the, the sort of meta game for single strike is just not there. Maybe the damage output and the way that it all works just doesn't make sense anymore. Um, I don't know. It was very strange though. It's very interesting how the meta has kind of shifted away, especially from the big bears that, we loved for so mm -hmm. long and more swing towards Mew and just Arceus. Arceus really just taking the place. Yeah. I mean, just bringing out a lot of possibilities, right? You can play just regular Arceus. You can play Arceus Duraludon. You can play uh, just a whole bunch of different options. The counter box, like Ice Rider we talked about last week. Like, yeah, there's so many different cool ideas that I'm wondering how it will continue evolving um, as we continue on in the meta and get closer and closer to IRL tournament, Sean. Yeah. I mean, Jake, before we, before we head off, uh, I want to say like, what do you, if you were going to Salt Lake city, um, what would you bring? Oh my gosh. What would I bring? If I mm -hmm. had all the cards and I had a deck that I wanted to bring, I would probably bring the Arceus counter box deck, probably. 
No, 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 that's a lie. I'd bring Urshifu. I'd bring single Ooh. strike Urshifu Umbreon probably. I just love Urshifu. You know, I was playing single strike Urshifu before Umbreon came out. And I mean, it was definitely not the deck that it, it was definitely not the height of the deck. So like mm. it has a special place in my heart. And like, I mean, if you look at that one person that we were just looking at, I mean, they only faced one Mew and they still had a seven and three record. Yeah. Right. They still did very well. Um, they beat Rapid Strike Malamar two times, which is a very interesting matchup, in my opinion. Yeah, because um, that... that can sometimes sway a lot more towards the Malamar player, someone who's played a lot of Malamar lately. Um, so that's probably what I would play. You could get those cards like decently cheap, right? They've been around for a little bit. You know, you're going to have that dark weakness also fighting weakness if Gengar continues to get like more and more popular and more and more played um you're gonna have to have an answer to those peaks though <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i it's interesting i i don't know what i would bring i'm surprised that mad party has not seen any success um it may be that other single prize focused decks and other decks in general just outpace it um i, I don't know uh yeah, do do you have any thoughts on like I don't know why Mad Party hasn't been good cuz that got a lot of hype. It got a lot of hype coming out of Brilliant Stars. I think Mad Party is just not doing as well. So like when Mad Party first came out, you know, having the ability to trade favorably against mm. three prizers, but now we're moving into a two prize meta with Arceus mm. V-Star, right? And so the Pokémon have a big enough HP that Mad Party cannot hit one-hit KOs yeah. still on these two prizers. And so for every two attacks, you're taking knockouts. Well, they're knocking you out every single turn. So it's an even like 2-2 two -two prize trade when you talk about Mad Party. And that's what you don't want, right? What You want to be ahead in the prize trade. You know, yeah. for every two knockouts that are, you take, right, for every two knockouts that you're your opponent's doing on you you want to be able to take three prizes per knockout so yeah it's just the prize trade isn't working as favorably i will say and that's the biggest thing with mad party and like double turbo energy although it's easier to find mm -hmm. energy special energy to attack consistently right now with the double turbo you're also taking off 20 more damage so it's even harder than to reach those numbers that you need to hit in order to trade that's I really like that that take that analysis of like look if and this is just maybe a, a note for anybody out there who wants to play single prize decks um the the requirement of a single prize deck because you know you will have less damage output on average than the other decks in the in the meta but if you want to play a single prize deck you have to take more prizes in the number of turns that mm -hmm. you are attacking than your opponent. I know it sounds so obvious, but like, you know, when there's three prizers are the main focus and it takes you two turns to knock them out, you're still ahead on that prize trade. But all of a sudden, this like return to two prizers, but two prizers that have 280 or more HP. Yeah, it's all I mean, yeah. you said earlier, RCS V-Star with a big charm is 310. Yeah, yeah. And, and with the RCS, if you're playing the Dunsparce in that deck for whatever reason, even if you're running a single prize counter deck, right, that has some sort of a fighting weak 
single prize? I don't know. But like, even then it doesn't matter. And yeah, that's interesting. I, I It is interesting to think like, oh, I, you know, we're all tired of three prizers. Because I think a lot of us are. Like VMAX is three prizes. We're all kind of like, I would like to go back to a game that didn't take two attacks to win. Mm-hmm. But that actually might end up being, as we transition, a net negative for single prize decks. Because in the past, decks like, you know, Blacephalon or, or, or any other single prizers that could do enough damage. And if your main opponent was three prizers, it's fine. But now that you have two prizers with almost the same HP, it's like, Actually, two prizers might be the thing pushing single prize decks out the door. That's crazy. It's, it's definitely like something interesting that I think some people were able. I think, I mean, I heard a couple different content creators mention how yeah. that was going to be a thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it sucks. I mean, I love mm-hmm. my Rapid Strike Malamar and Rapid Strike Malamar, I would say, is the number one uh single, single prize deck so if you're determined on playing single prizers you know that's the one probably that you want to play um i think azul made a really good video on it the other day if you need like a deck list because i don't think we've gone over one today hmm. um but yeah the first uh irl tournament the first regional is going to be in oceania this weekend brisbane i believe there's going to be a stream for it so march 12th and the 13th if you're not doing anything or you got some time you know, to sit down, relax, maybe pull up the stream. You could probably learn a lot of great things. I don't know, like, who is in charge of streaming it and whatnot. But... Uh, yeah, not sure. Uh, I think it goes back and forth between whether or not Pokemon is now in charge of those things for the regionals or if it's mm-hmm. like, my guess is that it's probably a local uh, whoever is running the event, like whatever organization. Like Pokemon basically says, hey, we need you to stream this. And so they pay him uh, out pretty much. Maybe. Or or it's just up to the TO. In the past, that's how it's been. It's just up to the TO to set everything up. Uh, and I know that some of the folks out there, like the Sableyes and others, they, you know, want the Brisbane stream. And they're like, hey, like, if you need help, we, we can help. We can, you know, manage that. But, um, yeah, you know, we'll see. Hopefully. Hopefully it's streamed, though. And then people can actually watch. A big Pokemon Regionals IRL for the yeah, first time in like two it's years. Been so long. I know it's crazy. Um, I will say though, Happy International Women's Day! This podcast is coming out on International Women's Day. Thank you to all of our women and female presenting uh, listeners. Thank you, thank you so much. You know whether you're, you know, playing in the Pokemon trading card game, professor, judge uh parent you know fan whatever that may be you're in it to win it you're in it we appreciate you as always you know you're you're just as good as everybody else there was some uh discourse yeah yeah over over the weekend and we won't really get into the discourse but just know that the metapod appreciates all of everybody in the community as long as you're a good person you know, so thank you so much for listening to the Metapod, the Pokemon TCG podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. I can't wait to talk about Brisbane next week, Sean. Same. <laughs>